Chapter 31 of The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Florence Short. The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls by Elizabeth O'Neill. Chapter 31 The Reformation. At the end of the Middle Ages, when so many new things were happening and so many discoveries were being made, some people began to have new ideas about the church, and religion too. And in time, this led to the great religious change which was known as the Reformation. Just as poets and painters and sculptors were stirred up with new ideas about beauty, so other men as great, or greater in their own way, were full of new ideas about goodness. They were anxious to make people more truly religious and to do good in the church. Most of these reformers were scholars, too. At the end of the Middle Ages, though many people were still very good, there was not any very great holiness in the church. It was not a time of great saints like the 12th or 13th century. There were no great new orders of monks, and though the monasteries of the old orders were spread over every country of Europe, the monks were often not nearly so strict as they had been in the early days of their orders. A few monasteries, like those of the Carthusians in England, were just as strict as ever, and there the monks lived just as St. Bruno had taught them to do so many years before. But in some of the monasteries the monks lived quite wicked lives. Even in the better monasteries many of the monks did not know very much. The reformers thought the people could pray and serve God better if they were better educated. They wanted to have Greek taught in the schools and universities. Some of the people who hated changes were very much against this new learning of the Renaissance and taught that the old learning was quite enough. Sometimes at Oxford and Cambridge, the students would actually fight among themselves about this question. Those who wanted Greek to be taught were called in fun the Greeks, while those who wanted the old learning were called the Trojans. In memory of the battles of the Greeks and Trojans in the early history of the Greeks, one of the first and greatest of the reformers in England was Sir Thomas More. He was the son of a lawyer and was born in Milk Street, London, and went to St. Anthony's School in Threadneedle Street. While he was still a young boy, he became a page in the house of Cardinal Morton, the Archbishop of Canterbury. In those days, the sons of gentlemen often became pages in the house of some great man, so as to learn perfect manners. Already Moore was very clever and witty, and the cardinal and his friends guessed that he would one day be a great man. When he was older, Moore was sent to the university at Oxford, and there he met some of the greatest men of his time. The chief of them was a priest called John Collette, who was one of the first people in England to study Greek. He gave lectures at Oxford on the New Testament and part of the Bible, which tells us about the life of our Lord. It was written first in Greek, but in the Middle Ages, when hardly anyone knew Greek, it had only been read in Latin, the great language of the church. John Collette became a priest of St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and he set up a school for boys who were taught the new learning and brought up to be very good and religious men. Dean Collette, as he was called, was very fond of these boys, and we may still read a beautiful letter of his to them, in which he begs them to pray for him, saying, Lift up your little white hands to God for me. Thomas More loved John Collette very dearly, although Collette was older than he. He had, too, another great friend called Erasmus, who was about the same age as himself, 
erasmus was the cleverest man of his time he was a priest but the only thing he really cared for was learning he belonged to the low countries as the countries which are now holland and belgium were called but he travelled about from one country to another always studying and writing he was very witty and people roared with laughter when they read his books he made fun of all the old ways and the people of the old learning and especially of those monks and people who were against the new ideas colette and erasmus and more were all good catholics they never thought of disobeying the church or saying that the church's teaching was wrong but there were other reformers who were quite different and who rebelled against the church these were the first protestants and it was they who began the reformation martin luther the first great protestant reformer the first and greatest of all the protestant reformers was martin luther he was the son of a german peasant called hans luther who was quite poor when martin was a little boy but became richer later on martin's family were all good people in their way and his mother taught him to say his prayers and to sing the beautiful german hymns which the people then sang but they were terribly strict and severe and even his mother would beat him terribly for a little fault once he ran away from home after his father had punished him cruelly and even when he was brought back he found it very hard to forgive his father it was perhaps because of his sad childhood that luther grew up into rather a sad young man always worrying about his sins and hardly able to believe that god would forgive them he was sent to school as a poor scholar and was fed and taught without paying but sang in the choirs of the churches to which the schools belonged later on he went to the town of erfurt and there became an augustinian friar the augustinians were one of the orders of friars which were set up soon after the dominicans and franciscans martin luther studied hard especially the bible but he did not care much for greek or the new learning after a time he was sent to lecture on theology at the new university of wittenberg which had been set up by the ruler of saxony who was one of the electors who had the right to choose the emperor this elector was called frederick the wise at this time germany was still made up of many little states each ruled by its own prince but with the emperor over all at wittenberg luther began to preach and people crowded to hear him because of the simple yet strong way in which he spoke to them at this time there were things going on in the church which erasmus and the other reformers did not like but which luther made up his mind to fight against the catholic church taught that even after people had had their sins forgiven there might still be punishment for them which they would have to suffer in purgatory when they died but the church said too that this punishment could be made less or taken away altogether if people said certain prayers or did good works for this reason sometimes indulgences or the letting off from punishment were promised to people who would do certain things unfortunately the poor people who were not educated sometimes thought that they could really buy forgiveness for their sins they did not really understand what indulgences were just at the time when luther was preaching at wittenberg a dominican called john tetzel was going about germany with the news that a great indulgence would be granted to any one who gave money to help in the building of the church of st peter's at rome which the popes had got the great architect Monte to plan for them and which was now half built it was a magnificent building of great size stretching out in the form of a cross with a wonderful dome over the part where the arms of the cross met 
it was a good work to help to build this wonderful church but luther and the other people were shocked at the way tetzel spoke to the people about indulgences it seemed to them that he was trying to sell forgiveness of sins and was telling lies to the people just to get money for the pope some of the german people were already beginning to have much less respect for the popes than they had had in the middle ages some of the popes of the second part of the fifteenth century had lived very dreadful lives indeed even pope leo x the pope of whom john tetzel was preaching the indulgences did not care for many things except pleasure although he was not a wicked man so when luther began to preach against indulgences and to say that it was wrong of the pulp to allow them to be preached as they were there were already many people who were ready to listen to him generally the preacher of an indulgence was received with great joy at each place to which he came as he drew near to a place the priests and people would go out in a procession to meet him with lighted candles and banners the message from the pope giving permission for the indulgence was carried on a cloth of gold and velvet the church bells were set ringing and the practiser of the indulgence was taken to the chief church where he could tell the people all about the indulgence to luther and to his elector too this all seemed just like a great auction sale frederick the wise would not allow tetzel to preach his indulgence in saxony but some of his people went to the nearest place in other states where they could get the indulgence some of them crowded back to wittenberg with the papers on which the description of the indulgence was written to show luther they were very much disappointed when he told them that the indulgences were no good to them at all and that no pope or bishop could do the thing that they promised when they gave indulgences he preached against them to the people and at last he wrote down on a paper ninety-five reasons for not believing in indulgences and nailed them to the door of the castle church at wittenberg copies of this paper were printed off as quickly as the university printing press could do them and in the short time they were spread all over germany everybody was very much excited soon afterwards pope leo sent a message to luther that he must go to rome and give an account of what he had done but the elector persuaded the pope to allow luther to be tried by the pope's messenger or legate as he was called in germany when luther stood before the cardinal legate at the town of osberg he was told that he must immediately say that the things he had said against indulgences were not true but he declared he would never do that he felt that he had spoken what he thought was the truth and that he could not now say differently so he went back home and the cardinal went back to the pulp to tell him how the german peasant monk had defied him for two years the question was not settled and then the pope sent a message to luther telling him that he was excommunicated and no longer belonged to the church but by this time luther had begun not to believe any longer that the pope ought to be head of the church at first he had certainly not meant to rebel against the pope but as the struggle went on he grew more and more angry with the terrible anger he had inherited from his father and in the end he made up his mind to rebel against the pope and to get as many people as he could to follow him he showed how little he cared for the pope when he got a great bonfire lighted outside the walls of wittenberg and burnt the pope's message there before all the people as the flames rose up luther's friends gave a great shout this was the beginning of protestantism by which half the people of europe broke away from the pope and set up religions of their own it was the greatest change in history since the coming of christianity into europe and it is very strange to remember that it was the preaching of one german peasant which brought it about 
still the reformation would never have come if people had not already begun to get used to many new ideas which were brought to them by the renaissance as time went on luther said that many other things which the church taught were not true he said that there were not seven sacraments but only three and later on he said there were only two many people listened eagerly to his teaching all the friars of his monastery at wittenberg gave up their monastic life and went out to live in the world again many of them got married as luther himself did he now hated monks and monasteries and nearly everything belonging to the catholic church he wrote many books against the pope in these days people who disagreed about any subject thought nothing of calling each other dreadful names in their books and luther was even more violent than the other people of his time in this way luther told the people that there was really no need for priests that people could save their souls only by really believing in jesus christ he told them too that it was not true as the church taught that in the mass the bread and wine which the priests consecrated were changed into the body and blood of christ which were received by the people who went to communion but still he said that christ was really present in the sacrament above all he told the people that they should read for themselves the word of our lord in the new testament and he himself translated the bible into german so that the people might read it for themselves many of the german princes were pleased with luther's teaching because they were able to take the money and lands of the monasteries which were broken up the emperor charles v was against the protestants but in the end he had to agree that each prince should settle the religion of his state for himself about half the states chiefly those in the north became protestant while the other half remained catholic one half of saxony under duke george was catholic while the other half under luther's friend the elector frederick became protestant there was a great deal of discontent and unhappiness at the time in germany and all these changes made the people ready to rebel the towns many of which became protestant were rich because the early sixteenth century was a time in which trade was growing but in the country the poorer gentlemen who were called the knights were growing poorer now they thought they could become protestants fight against the rich catholic princes and especially the bishops who ruled over some of the german states they fought what was known as the knight's war but they were defeated then the peasants in germany rose in revolt but they were put down also thousands of people were killed and there was terrible misery in the country many of these people said that they were doing what luther had taught them but he would not have anything to do with them once he had started the reformation he really left it to itself and he did not become a leader who could give commands to the people like other reformers did but settled down to his writing at wittenberg he said in fact that the people should take the religion given to them by their princes and this is what soon happened in germany so that there were almost as many kinds of protestantism as there were protestant states the great kings of the renaissance charles v who became emperor the year after luther had begun his fight against indulgences was a young man he belonged to the family of the Habsburgs, who were the rulers of austria it had now become the custom for these rulers to be elected emperor but the young emperor charles v had many other lands to rule over too from his grandmother he had the low countries and the free county of burgundy that part of burgundy which had not been won by the kings of france from his mother joanna the mad the daughter of ferdinand and isabella he had inherited spain and all the spanish possessions which were very great soon after he was made emperor charles gave up austria and the kingdoms of hungary and bohemia to his brother ferdinand but still he had an immense empire 
if only charles could have governed germany strongly he would soon have been the strongest king in europe but it was very difficult to govern germany and the reformation which divided the princes still more against each other made it more so there were other kings who were watching charles carefully for fear he should be too strong france was now a strong and united nation under another young king francis i england had almost forgotten the wars of the roses and was becoming a strong and important country under its second tutor king henry the eighth who was also a young man at this time both francis i and henry the eighth were handsome men at this time though they both became very ugly through too much self-indulgence as they grew older they were both clever but vain they were both self-willed too and got things very much their own way in the countries they ruled in england the parliament was hardly ever called now to give advice and when it was it did very much what the king told it to charles v and francis i were enemies from the beginning and they were each anxious to get henry the eighth's help in fighting the other it was to talk over this question that henry met francis in the north of france when both kings dressed themselves and their servants so magnificently that the meeting was ever afterwards called the field of the cloth of gold in spite of this henry afterwards helped charles in his battle against the french king a great deal of the fighting was done in italy for both francis and charles said that certain parts of italy ought to belong to them although the greater italian states were rich and the palaces of their renaissance princes very beautiful they were weak just because there were so many of them they were jealous of one another and could not all join against enemies like francis or charles instead when they quarrelled among themselves some prince was sure to ask help from france or germany although they were sorry for it afterwards when they saw the misery which the foreign soldiers brought to italy in one of the quarrels between francis and charles the pope clement the seventh took the part of the french the emperor though he was such a good catholic let his army march against rome many of his soldiers were followers of luther and hated everything belonging to the old church they made a terrible attack on rome burning and killing and robbing turning priests and nuns children and old people into the streets and torturing them with the greatest cruelty the pope shut himself up in the castle of st angelo but at the last got the terrible foreign soldiers to go away by promising to pay a great deal of money to the emperor rome never seemed quite so great and beautiful again after the terrible destruction of this time it happened in the year fifteen twenty seven indeed this seemed to be the end of the greatest time of the renaissance a sort of sadness came to italy with these terrible wars there were nearly always foreigners fighting over some part of her land and there was no longer the great joyfulness which seemed to fill italy in the days of the renaissance the great michael angelo lived and worked on far into the sixteenth century but he was the last of the really great artists and there is a sadness in his work the artists who came after imitated the earlier painters and sculptors and were not nearly so great all through the early years of the sixteenth century the protestants were preaching and teaching not only in germany but in the other countries of europe we must see what happened to them and which countries became protestant and which remained catholic the reformation in england in england at first people took very little notice of the new german reformers but neither did they take much notice of the catholic reformers like colette and sir thomas more who wanted to make the church better but would not rebel this made some of the young scholars from oxford and cambridge feel inclined to follow luther and his friends 
some of them went over to germany to listen to the teaching of the reformers there and then in a few years came back protestants and anxious to make all england protestants too king henry the eighth was a clever man and he was proud of the fact that he knew as much about religion and theology as most priests when martin luther taught that there were only two sacraments baptism and the holy eucharist henry wrote a book against him trying to prove that there were seven sacraments just as the church taught pope leo x was so pleased with this book that he said that henry should be called defender of the faith and all english kings and queens have kept this title ever since although most of them have been protestant the letters f d after the name of the king or queen are always still to be seen on english money the early protestant reformers were always anxious to print the bible in the language of their own country so that all the people might read it for themselves they thought that the people could learn much more from the bible than from any church one of the young protestant reformers who had been to germany and come back translated the new testament into english and had it printed but the king had all the copies that could be found burnt before all the people at st paul's cross in london sir thomas more wrote against tyndale and tyndale thought it would be safer to flee away to the low countries for according to the law heretics were to be burned to death we shall see how a little later hundreds and thousands of both catholics and protestants were killed for believing in their religions it was not for many years that people learned toleration that is to allow people to believe what they liked meanwhile the rulers of the protestant states killed the catholics and the rulers of the catholic states killed the protestants and there was terrible misery everywhere although henry the eighth was so strong a catholic at first it was not many years before england became protestant when he found that the pope would not give him something he wanted henry turned against him and began to believe like luther or pretended to believe that the pope had no right to be head of the church the thing that henry wanted was a divorce from his wife the good queen catherine of aragon catherine was a spanish princess who had been married to henry many years when he first began to think of a divorce she had only one child the little princess mary and henry would have liked to have a son to be king after him he said that he thought that there was no blessing on his marriage because catherine had been married first to henry's brother who had died in a few months while he was still quite a boy the church did not allow a woman to marry the brother of her dead husband but the pope had given permission for the marriage of henry and catherine now henry wanted the pope to say that there had not really been any marriage so that he could send catherine away and marry again but the pope would not henry's chief adviser was the great cardinal wolsey he had done everything he could to please the king indeed he said afterwards as he lay dying that he wished he had served god as well as he had served the king but when he could not get the pope to give him a divorce henry turned against the cardinal and sent him away from the court afterwards when the cardinal was at york henry sent for him to go to london to be tried for treason which meant plotting against the king henry must have known that this was not true wolsey was very ill when the message reached him and he died on the journey it was a terrible thing about king henry the eighth that he was never grateful to anybody but turned against his best friends as soon as they were no longer useful to him henry then said that the pope really had no right to judge in cases which came up in england and he got cramer archbishop of canterbury to give him the divorce queen catherine was sent away and henry married a young and pretty lady of the court called anne boleyn soon afterwards he got the parliament to declare that he was supreme head on earth of the church of england 
and that any one who would not agree to this was guilty of treason and should be put to death so in quite a different way from the german states which followed luther england became protestant too most of the english people changed their religion with the king but many of the best people would not the monks of the carthusian monastery in london were asked to take the oath of supremacy that is to swear to take the king as head of the church but many of them would not and so they were put to death in a very terrible way then sir thomas more who had been chancellor of england but had given up his post and fisher bishop of rochester who had preached against the king's doings were sent for to go before archbishop cramer at his palace at lambeth there they were to swear to agree that the children of the new queen had a right to have their father's crown after his death a little daughter who was afterwards queen elizabeth had been born moore and fisher were also asked to take the oath of supremacy they would not do this though they were both quite ready to swear to be faithful to henry and to the children of anne boleyn the king might have been pleased with this but anne was very spiteful against moore and fisher and persuaded the king to have them put to death so they both had their heads cut off it is said that moore joked even on the scaffold he was a very brave man he had lived a splendid life and he was not afraid to die his beard had grown while he was in prison and as he laid his head on the block he put it to one side saying pity that should be cut it has not committed treason yet at the same time king henry did not like the protestant teaching any more than before before the death of the carthusians and of moore and fisher for their clinging to the pope protestant reformers had already been burnt for teaching the new doctrines the first to die for protestantism in england was a cambridge man called thomas blenny he was a simple gentle person and his friends called him little blenny but henry was very angry because he taught like luther the people could save their souls through faith alone before the end of his reign henry had had many people both catholics and protestants killed for their faith he would not let the people keep their catholic religion but he would not let them become too protestant john forrest a friar and a friend of queen catherine was burnt in a fire made of a wooden image of a saint brought from wales for henry was against the use of images and had them destroyed wherever he could he got rid too of all the monasteries all over england the monks and nuns were turned out and their property was taken by the king sometimes the beautiful churches and buildings of the monasteries were given to the king's friends many of them fell into ruin some of the monks who gave in easily were given money by the king others were turned out with nothing to live on some were put to death the poor people whom the monks had fed and clothed now became poorer still and many people were angry that the monks should be treated so badly in the north of england the people rose in a rebellion which was called the pilgrimage of grace but it was easily put down the new lords who got the monks lands were often not so kind to the people who lived on the land as the monks had been and there was a great deal of misery among the country people by the end of henry's reign when henry died his son edward who was only a boy became king he was fond of the protestants and during his short reign england became much more protestant but edward the sixth did not live long after him his sister mary the daughter of queen catherine of aragon became queen edward had been the son of henry's third wife for anne boleyn had had her head cut off because the king said she was not faithful to him henry had six wives altogether and another besides anne boleyn had her head cut off queen mary made england catholic again though she could not get the people who had the monks lands to give them up again 
most of the people seemed to be quite pleased to become catholic once more but the people who really believed in protestantism would not so queen mary had them burnt although she was a good queen she thought it was her duty to do this among others archbishop kramer the great archbishop who had helped henry the eighth so much was burnt too he had been very frightened in prison and had signed a paper saying that he did not believe in the protestant religion but when he learned he was to be burnt all the same he was sorry that he had done this and when he was tied to the stake to be burnt he plunged his hand into the flames saying that his hand should be burnt first because he had done this wrong thing with it queen mary did not live long she died broken-hearted at the way she was left alone by her husband the great king philip of spain who had married her because he wanted the english people to help him in his wars they would not help him and as he did not really love mary he left her and stayed at home in spain when queen mary died elizabeth the daughter of henry the eighth and anne boleyn became queen and england became protestant once more this time it was really protestant and all through elizabeth's long reign which was a very great and glorious reign in many ways the catholics were hunted out priests who were found in england hiding so that they could say mass for the catholics were put to a very terrible death while all catholics had to pay great fines for not going to church and even the catholic noblemen and gentlemen became very poor many of them sent their sons to catholic countries to be educated although this too was forbidden yet elizabeth also was against the people who were too protestant she punished the puritans as the people were called who at the end of her reign were trying to do away with the ceremonies which made the english church seem to them too catholic some puritans who wrote books about these things had their hands cut off or their ears slit some were even put to death for elizabeth was in many things very like her father henry the eighth and she was determined that the people should do things just as she told them queen elizabeth and mary queen of scots scotland became protestant too although its beautiful young queen mary queen of scots was a catholic mary had been brought up in france and had been married to the young french king francis the second but he had died and she came back to scotland soon after elizabeth became queen of england but the protestant scottish nobles turned against her and the great protestant preacher john knox preached against her calling her terrible names mary did some foolish things which gave her enemies the chance of doing her harm she was shut up in the castle of loch leven but was helped by a young page to escape the catholic nobles helped her to fight her enemies but she lost the battle and fled into england hoping that elizabeth would help her but elizabeth had always been very jealous of mary because of her beauty mary queen of scots had very beautiful golden brown hair and a fair complexion she had lovely brown eyes and was very graceful and charming elizabeth who was very vain was not nearly so beautiful and this was one reason for which she had always disliked mary for years she kept her shut up in prison the english catholics thought that mary had a better right to the throne of england than elizabeth and some of them plotted to kill elizabeth and make mary queen of england the plot was found out and the plotters were put to death elizabeth said that mary had known about it all and had her put on trial and in the end put to death when queen mary dressed in crimson walked on to the platform in the great hall of the palace of fungi where she was to be killed she was an old woman her golden hair had become white in the long years she had been in prison but she was still beautiful and she died very bravely comforting the women who were with her and who were crying 
john knox and the scottish protestants were not lutherans they were followers of the great french reformer john calvin king francis i began to persecute the protestant reformers as soon as they appeared in france and when he died the kings who came after him did the same and france always remained catholic but there were always some protestants in france although later on as we shall see the protestants suffered more terribly there than in any other country john calvin was one of the early french protestants but he fled away to switzerland and there became one of the greatest protestant leaders switzerland became almost altogether protestants though a few of its cantons as its divisions were called remained catholic the city of geneva which had been before governed by a bishop gave itself up to calvin and he governed it in his own way protestants from all over europe travelled to geneva to hear his teaching he taught very different things from luther he did not believe at all that christ was president in the holy eucharist he taught too that men had no free will that is that people cannot really choose whether they will be good or bad and that even before a person is born he or she is destined to go to heaven or hell after their death this seems a very terrible teaching and it might seem that the people who believed it might think it would not really matter how they behaved but this was not so still the calvinists were often rather sad and gloomy people and there was not much joy in their religion but they loved it dearly and fought for it with their lives the french protestants were calvinists and so were the protestants in the low countries in both places they were terribly persecuted the year before francis i died three thousand protestants were killed in the province of the south of france the south was always the protestant part of france just as it was the part where there had been the most heresy in the middle ages in spite of persecution the protestant religion grew strong in the south of france the great nobles there became protestant and were always ready to fight their catholic king so strong did the protestants become that they were able to fight hard battles against the catholics and during the second half of the sixteenth century there were the most terrible civil wars in which frenchmen fought against frenchmen because of their differences in religion the chief ruler in france in the second part of the sixteenth century was catherine de medici one of the medici family which ruled in florence she was married to henry the second who was king of france after francis i while her husband was alive she had very little power in france but when he died she ruled the country for her sons who were very delicate and died one after the other it was the eldest francis the second who was the husband of mary queen of scots and it was when he died that mary went back to scotland catherine loved power above all things just like many italian princes of that time she would do anything to keep it she seemed never to think whether a thing was good or bad to do but only whether it would help her to keep power it was this which led her to make a most terrible attack on the protestants of france at first she tried to keep the catholics and protestants fairly equal in power and she invited the admiral coligny to the court he was the chief protestant nobleman in france catherine's son charles the ninth a young boy was king at this time but catherine soon saw that her son had taken a great liking to the brave old admiral and she began to be afraid that coligny would get power over the boy and her own power would grow less she had arranged too that her daughter margaret should marry another protestant the handsome young king henry of navarre the french part of the kingdom of navarre is on the borders of france and spain the wedding was to be a very splendid one it was in the summer of the year fifteen seventy two even the catholics of paris could not help liking the young henry with his pleasant ways and his charming smile on the wedding day he was dressed in pale yellow satin ornamented with silver and pearls and there was a wonderful procession of bishops and cardinals and knights 
for three days there was feasting and gaiety in paris but the queen mother got a man to shoot at the admiral in the streets hoping to kill him the shot did not kill the admiral but blew off one of his fingers no one knew who had given the order but the huguenots as the french protestants were called were very angry and charles was full of anxiety but his mother told him that the protestants must be killed and especially the admiral the poor boy hated the idea but he was very weak and used to doing what his mother ordered at last he cried out that if the admiral was to be killed then all the huguenots in france should die too so that there would be none left to reproach him catherine was only too pleased at this idea she gave secret orders that the huguenots throughout france should be killed the thing was to be done suddenly and quietly when summer night and so it was in paris and all over france the huguenots were suddenly attacked and killed in thousands admiral coligny was thrown by a servant from a window and fell dead to the street below the massacre took place on the night before the feast of st bartholomew and was ever afterwards called the massacre of st bartholomew henry of navarre was not killed because he was the queen's son-in-law all of the protestants in europe were full of surprise and anger at this terrible massacre the young king charles the ninth could never forget it himself he died two years afterwards full of the horror still at the memory of it catherine's favorite son then became king as henry the third he was killed in fifteen eighty nine a few months after the death of his mother who kept power to the last all during this time there were still miserable struggles between the catholics and the protestants a new and better time came when henry the third died and after some years of fighting the handsome king of navarre became king of france he was called henry the fourth and he was one of the best kings france had ever had he became a catholic because he saw that if he did not the catholics of france would never have him as king but he was never very serious about religion and the story is told that when someone spoke to him about changing so easily he laughed and said that paris was well worth a mass but henry would not have any more persecution of the protestants they were now allowed to set up churches and pray in their own way in certain towns indeed it was through his kindness to the huguenots that henry the fourth died after a very short reign and before he had time to make france into the greatest state of europe as he would have done if he had lived henry was going to start in two days time for a great war with germany when he was stabbed to the heart in the streets of paris by a man named ravaillac who thought that he was not a good catholic it will be interesting to see what had been happening to the protestants in other countries ruled by catholic kings End of chapter thirty one